production. This is Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFLW. We break down every moment that mattered in the big game yesterday where Brisbane sit as one of the legacy teams in the AFLW competition. Bree Conan's outstanding grand final performance. And what does the future of the AFLW look like? That's all coming up on Footy Talk. They hang on to possession on the wing. Grider wants it out wide. Hickey's taking the mark on the wing. Draws a long ball back to half forward. Big flies, no mark. Full of the ball, Riddell. For North Melbourne tracks. They've got plenty of it again today. Hand pass to Mia Kerr. Kick into a vacant centre of the ground. Ball spills behind. It's all over. It's two out of five for the Brisbane Lions. 17-point winners in the AFLW Grand Final. And Craig Stasevich and his team start to celebrate. 7-2-44 Brisbane, 4-3-27 North Melbourne. It is footy talk. And, of course, if you're listening to us on Spotify, then do us a favour and hit the bell. It is the day after the big day. The Brisbane Lions premieres after a 17-point win at Icon Park yesterday over North Melbourne. I'm Jack Heverin, alongside the queen, of course, of Triple M footy. She's now the queen of Channel 7 and... Well, she's just the queen of AFLW in general, Kate McCarthy. Kate, Matt, good to see you. And, gee, you've earned a rest after this one. Yeah, I have. It's been fantastic. It's been a great season of footy for AFLW and AFL um, all the way through. But I do definitely challenge the queen of Channel 7. That's definitely not true. Um, but it was a fantastic day at Channel 7 yesterday. And for the general AFLW um, competition itself, it was a fantastic grand final. We'll obviously get into the finer details soon, but... Just a great spectacle. This entire final series has been for AFLW and the way it's developed as a league and, and just the standard of footy we're able to put on now as a as a league has been so impressive and it's grown. Agree. And it's it's one thing to have close finals. It's another thing to have good standard games. I feel like, and you've nailed it, the final series as a whole has had everything. It's ticked a lot of boxes, which has been absolutely fantastic because it's still very much in that growth phase. Yeah, and look, forgive me, my memory's not amazing, but I'll go at least two weeks back and the prelim (laughs) finals were fantastic. We had Brisbane over the Cats by four points. That game could have gone either way at any point. And then obviously the other prelim was decided by a point, um, North Melbourne over the Adelaide Crows and both of those. Yeah, you're right. It's okay to have a close final. A close final doesn't necessarily mean it's a good final, Mm. but those two games were just great quality football. Um, Both games had everything, had some great marks, had some fantastic goals, had shootouts, had everything that you could want and a whole lot of pressure, obviously, which is exactly what we love about finals footy. We're going to unpack the game pretty heavily, obviously, but just on the Lions as an AFLW team, and it's someone pretty close to your heart as well, that team. Are they the benchmark for sustained success in the AFLW? We obviously think about Adelaide and particularly in the Aaron Phillips era, but for the amount of grand finals that Brisbane have either won or played in, are they now the benchmark in the competition? Yeah, they have to be, 100%. They've made five, one, two. Um, If Adelaide made it this year, they would have also made five. So between the two programs, um, absolutely. But I would say Brisbane now probably takes that crown of Mm. the most um, successful and 
um, most with sustained success, as you said. And I think the thing that really shows Brisbane's sustained success is obviously the big story of the players that they've lost. Um, obviously, me being one of them. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't remember Emily Bates or Greta Bodie or Jesse no, Warhol. No, no. It was Kate McCarthy. That's where the franchise nearly fell over. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that's that's the big thing. And obviously, the, the loss that you just mentioned in the last season between that season and this season. And there's no rebuild in Brisbane. You just make the next grand final straight after losing three of the best players in the competition. That is incredible. But the thing I credit it to is the standards they've set as a club. You walk into that club and you know what's expected of you as a player, as a staff member, as anyone that supports the players. It's just clear what standards they hold each other to. And everyone in that place knows it. And three of the the big key pillars, I touched on a little bit in the pregame yesterday, is obviously Stas has been there from the start. He's got two more years. He's Him and Mick Stinney are the only two coaches that are still there from the start. Then you've got Bree Brock. Before AFLW even started, Brisbane invested in an AFLW CEO yep. ahead of their program. They knew that they needed that to be able to run a successful program. She's been there from day minus whatever. Um, she's seen the whole thing out. And Matt Green, their conditioning coach, he's been there from the entire inception of the program. So the three of those have so many little areas to manage and they've been there for eight plus years now. And that's the thing that makes that club able to just, okay, we've, what to now? We've lost three of the best. Where do we go from here? Okay, we've already built up these players. Let's get them in. They need to be up to this standard. And that's what they've done. Were you surprised going into yesterday that they weren't favourites Brisbane? They were, everyone was tipping North Melbourne. I don't know whether they fell into the fairy tale element of North Melbourne winning it or, but even some of the betting markets reflected North Melbourne as favourites. Uh, mine certainly reflects that I back Brisbane Gamble responsibly, of course, <laughs> but were you surprised by that, the amount of people that were almost ignoring the Lions? As someone from Brisbane, it doesn't surprise me. Okay. As someone following football media, absolutely it surprises me. That was ridiculous. Mm. Like, black and white, it is so hard to win a premiership. I played in two finals, didn't win one of them. It's it's impossible to just get there on your first go and have no adversity, not that North Melbourne haven't, that's not my point, but to walk in and be like, yeah, right, we'll be fine, it's the grand final, we've done X, Y, Z. Brisbane have done everything, they've, they've lost three. They lost last year. They know what it takes to win a grand final and I think their form coming into it, they were pretty much both teams, it was a flip of the coin. I would have been fine if if it was maybe, yeah, even money for both teams because coming into it, you couldn't pick you couldn't pick a winner. Really, it was very tight. It was yeah. so tight, and yeah. for North to be favourites, everyone in the betting market, all the experts have tipped them. I just couldn't understand that that was what the outcome was. And I think Brisbane, they love it up there. Stars loves being the underdog. It's It almost plays in their favour to count to discount them, to mm. say, nah, they're not favourites, they won't win because Stars just takes a little tick, great, that's me pre-game sorted. I can go with the narrative I've gone with every other year because it's true. Mm. I just do not know how people discount them every single year. So low-scoring first quarter, in fact, low-scoring first half, and you said in the Channel 7 coverage, very much a game played between the arcs. Jump ahead to the third quarter though, Kate. North Melbourne absorbed a lot of Brisbane's best and then kicked two very quick goals in a row, albeit a small lead, but it looked like they had momentum. What were you thinking at that stage of the game? Yeah, I thought in the third term, Brisbane had all the momentum. I thought North had, I think, 10 more inside 50s for that term, but 
it felt like Brisbane were riding the wave. They were just about to sort of break it open and mm. get a lot of game on their terms. But then to North credit, they just sort of took the arm wrestle. Kate Shearlaw took that game with that contested mark Big and grab, yeah. going back and kicking. And I thought maybe that was the game-changing moment. And then... Ash Riddell bursting out of the next centre clearance, kicking it forward. They got a free kick and kicked the goal. I thought, nah, that's it. Like those two moments in themselves could change a grand final Mm -hmm. and they've happened back to back. I thought Brisbane are going to have to work hard here in the fourth. The only thing that I thought kept them in it was the fact that with that dominance, they were still only ahead by six points. Yeah, it wasn't a big lead, was it? So a kick gets you back in within a point and all of a sudden you think, wow, we've had no momentum here and you look up at the scoreboard and you're only one point behind. That makes a huge difference, that scoreboard pressure and that element to it in a grand final. So I thought that was a that was the only element that sort of, okay, this is still could work in Brisbane's favour. One move that Craig Stasevich should get a lot of should get a lot of credit for a lot of moves, and we'll talk about that a, a little bit later in the show. But for as good as Brie Conan was across halfback in in the first half, and she won the best on ground. She got the five votes from all five people who were voting on it, which I think is appropriate. Midway through that third quarter, with momentum coming, Craig Stasevich takes her out of the back half and goes and stands her next to Jasmine Garner. Now, for all of North's momentum, had Jazzy Garner have got going, you wonder whether we're having a different conversation today. Absolutely. And as someone that's now a coach in the league, not a head coach, but an assistant coach, to make that move when you have the best player on the ground in the back line and move them somewhere else in the field, regardless of needing to do it through injury or whatever it is, that is ballsy. Yep. That is gutsy and those sort of things win you a grand final. They could lose you a grand final, but it's that willingness to win that you need to have in big games. You need to be bold. You need to be brave to make those calls. And he would have been happy to concede that maybe that lost them the game if it didn't quite work out the way that it did. He's more than happy to concede it it won them the game. It absolutely won them the game. Up until the fourth quarter, they were North Melbourne were plus 18 in clearances. So they were dominant out of the centre. Brisbane don't normally win clearances, but they don't normally get smashed by that Not much. Not to that extent, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. In the fourth, post Bree Conan going in, 10 all. 10 all in the fourth. That's essentially what won them the game. And I asked him about it after and he said moving Bree was a big move but had to happen because Kathy Svark was carrying a knee injury. She's who usually would play that role. Mm. She couldn't. They had to sort of find a spot for her in the forward line because she couldn't keep up with it. Um, and, yeah, it, it won them the game. It should go down as one of the great captain's games. I think in men's, women's, take your pick. It doesn't matter. Footy's footy. It should go down as one of the great captain's games in a grand final of all time, I think, Brie Conan. Completely agree. And the little cherry on top was just that last goal yeah, it straight out of that forward 50 stoppage. It just stoppage. made sense, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, 100%. That yeah. was, if there was any doubt in anyone's mind who the best player on the ground, that was just like, yeah, I'm still here and I'm still the best. So give me the three votes. So Brie was excellent. The, the Brisbane back half, though, they absorbed a lot of pressure, particularly in the first half. And then again in that third quarter. Talk to us about Shannon Campbell and and Nat Greider and their games as well. Yeah, they were phenomenal. I think Nat had a career high for herself with intercept possessions. Um, Shannon Campbell just constantly going back with the flight. And and one one spot that we talked about uh, pre-podcast was... Our pre-game. Yeah, our pre-game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Our warm-up. A a coffee. (laughs) Taylor Smith. Yes. First term, back with the flight, sits herself in the hole, as you have to do as a ruck. Puts herself there knowing Talia Randall is about to steam out of the square straight into her. She copped one, could have easily been a broken rib, punctured lung, all of that. Ended up being okay, but just her willingness to go back with the flight, Mm. knowing what was coming. And Campbell did it later in the game. She did it twice more. 
you just knew that that was a plan that they had as a team, right, if you're sitting in the space, you have to go because it's going to be too hard for, for Brie, for Nat, for Shannon to compete one-on-one with Talia because she's too good. Yeah, I, there was a big moment from Taylor Smith early in the game and good to see that she's fine, judging from her Instagram last night. Everyone else's oh, Instagram, they were all fine. <laughs> <laughs> Two other names I, I want to raise with you, though, before we get to one of their biggest is Ali Anderson and Jade Allinger. So, and, sorry, and Ola O'Dwyer. So late in that third quarter and then into the fourth, Brisbane kicked four goals to zero in the last quarter to win it. And you, again, you're ahead of it on the Channel 7 coverage. But when the game broke open at Icon Park, their runners came into it. And particularly Anderson and O'Dwyer were fabulous in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and Anderson as a mid, it's just her ability to know where to go defensively. So she'll, as soon as the stoppage heads, she'll she'll always drop defensive side of the stoppage. And she'll sit behind. Then she's really good to use on the way out. So they use her through her hands, but then she can just basically see the game like a quarterback. Mm. We'll sit there and assess it beautifully and usually get their wingers involved, which they weren't able to do in the first half because the pressure was just so hot. Then by the time they're able to switch it, they got it out to O'Dwyer, got it out to Conway, and then their run and carry came into it. But, yeah, O'Dwyer was phenomenal. After she kicked that goal, the next play was then down in the goal square, yep. getting a hand into it, making sure that North Melbourne couldn't take a mark unopposed in the goal square. So that's a 12-point turnaround that is in the game itself. So, yeah, their wingers all year have been their, their real one-wood, and it, it again shone in the third and fourth term. And what they needed was something almost spiritual, I suppose, to get them going. And that came in the form of Dakota Davidson, who was on one leg, clearly unfit, with a knee injury that, well, she looked over in the prelim final. No one thought that she'd play in the grand final. She was hobbling around. She found a way to take a couple of moments, and boy, did she take them. And that was... You almost felt like that's where the momentum turned when she got involved in the game. And she is, she's one of those cult heroes at a team. You, you have a few of them sort of in each line and you know that when they do something special, the crowd love it. All of your teammates love it too because they just have this energy about them when they do something good um, and that's exactly what she did. I have one of my best mates is the physio for the Lions and I text her on Saturday night and I was like, off the record, what do you think? And she goes, we're 100%, well, no, not 100%. We're very sure Dakota's done her ACL. Wow. We're suspecting ACL. And then the next day she's like, nothing showed. <laughs> like, she's good to go. And I was like, wow, that's huge. Like, mm. there was a little bit of sort of structural damage, but it wasn't an ACL, which was just usually in those things when you think it's that, it's usually that. Yep. Um, so the turnaround in 24 hours for that football club, especially stars, thinking, okay, what do we do now? What's our structure? It's a key forward. It's yep. not just sort of someone that you can kind of pigeonhole someone else to do that job. Not at all. Um and, yeah, I thought the game was sort of set up for her, either herself or Taylor Smith to make an impact or Kate Sheel or Talia Randall down the other end to start to make an impact in that fourth. It was pretty much the tall's opportunity to shine. And when she took that first contested mark early, credit to Belle Dawes, she set that entire play up, didn't give up on the ball going out and then spun out of trouble, centred it, and Dax was there to take a contested mark. And the thing I think that's overlooked in that is she kicked it from 40 out. Yes, it was straight in front. She's got a big boot, but you're lining up. I think there was seven points down, 40 out early in the fourth term. She even was quoted as saying, I knew the grand final was on my boot at that point. Wow. So I went back, I did my routine, and I can rely on my routine. And, geez, she's almost someone, if you had them kicking for your life, you'd choose her at the moment with a set shot. Absolutely. Let's talk about the kangaroos. We'll get back to Brisbane a little bit later on, in particular Craig Stasevich. At some point, they're going to need to watch this game, North Melbourne. Now, they might choose to do it 
today or tomorrow, or Darren Crocker might put it off until next year, but at some point they're going to have to watch it. When they do, are they going to watch it and think about what could have been? Yeah, I think so. I think when you win any game, or sorry, when you lose any game, Yes, it blew out at the end, but it was a narrow margin the whole game. Um, And when you're seven points ahead going into the fourth term and then not able to score in the fourth and the other team kicks four, you look at what happened. Um, I think one thing that I think I don't want to overlook from a North Melbourne perspective is the loss of Jenna Bruton so early. In the first couple of minutes of the game, she's torn her Achilles and that is a huge loss for them. It's a huge loss for them to, one, be a player down in hot conditions. It was a hot day yesterday, mm. not what we're used to here in Melbourne yet, <laughs> and even though it's summer. It just hit yesterday. Oh, it was raining the day before, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So that's one player down on the bench. But also she's been playing this role that is a uh, uh, forward that sl- slots up as a fifth mid, runs around in there, provided basically a game-changing third quarter last week to get into the final. Um, I don't think that can be overlooked from a perspective of when you lose a player like that what it does to your structure, what it does to your team, but also the dominance they had in clearances and then not being able to sort of continue that into the fourth. Mm. Definitely they'll feel like it was the one that got away, but they've got to look at it and think, wow, we were so close. There's no reason why coming into this next season we're not thereabouts again because there's no reason for it. And they, Darren Crocker said that post game. we're still building. And in many respects they are. They've kind of turned the list over a little bit in the last couple of years. They've bought some younger players in via the draft and everything. So I, it can go one of two ways, can't it? You hope it goes the right way for North Melbourne. I think with that team there that they've got, the maturity, the personnel they've got there – it will only go the way that sort of Darren Crocker would hope it to. I think they will regroup. They will be so much better for what happened yesterday, regardless of how much it hurts. And that hurt really can drive you. Um, but I think they're, they're the most mature team. They'll be able to put this aside to the point where they learn from it and then, yeah, keep going for the next season for sure. And credit to Jazz Garner. Um, a lot of discussion during the week about her not polling votes and – why she doesn't poll votes and that it's a travesty. And it is. It's a total mystery why she doesn't poll votes. But she took care of her end of business, Kate, by going out and having an outstanding grand final. Well, she kicked the first goal of the game and then the second goal of the game as well, or the second goal for North Melbourne at least. And she's just, yeah, she's someone that in the pregame we talked about how you stop her. You can't stop her. You've just got to sort of quell her influence. If she has 24 that can't be plus 600 metres gained. It can be plus 200 because you put her under pressure when she's got it. But, yeah, she's she's elite. She is just the best player in the competition for mine this season, not trying to take anything away from Mon Conti. I think she's been absolutely phenomenal and always is, mm-hmm. always is yes. one of the best players. Yep. But Jazz, just with her impact that she had on the goals, uh, sorry, kicking goals as well. Midfielders is uh, hard to come by to kick goals and she consistently kicked goals this season um, and did it again on the biggest stage. So, yeah, she's absolutely did not do herself any disservice yesterday. On the other side of this, we talk Craig Stasevich and his legacy in the AFLW game and the future of AFLW. What does it all look like? And can we get Kate McCarthy, the CEO's job at the AFL? That's all coming up on Footy Talk. This is Footy Talk. Of course, you can follow along on Instagram at Footy Talk underscore pod and on TikTok as well at Footy Talk pod. Are you sort of around the TikTok movement, 
K-Mac? Um, I use TikTok to promote my dogs. Um, <laughs> they have their own TikTok, Nacho, Norman and Noah. Um, very cute, two sausage dogs and a greyhound. Quick shout out for that. But I usually just use it to scroll and send funny videos to my partner. What are you trying to get out of having a t- TikTok account for your dogs? Are you trying to get free dog food or something nah, like that? No, not really anything out of it. Just, you know, bring people happiness. When I see a funny dog video, I'll send it straight to my partner and it brings us about five seconds of happiness okay. for that day. Okay. Yeah. As long as it makes you happy, that's the main <laughs> that's thing. That's all that matters. You can follow us at Footy Talk Pod on TikTok. Craig Stasevich, um, you started your journey with the Brisbane Lions. Craig Stasevich, as you said earlier, has been there since day one. What he said post-game about needing the grand final to look a certain way and to have it appealing to a broader audience, it would be very easy as a coach to just make sure you win. Don't worry about what it looks like. Just win the game and, and be the premiership coach. Craig Stasevich can see the greater good. I think he, when the history of AFLW is written, should go down as one of the most valuable contributors in the first 10 years of the competition. 100%. Is that fair? Oh, couldn't have said it any better, Jack. The way that he genuinely cares about the competition and his players, but the competition itself, what he was saying yesterday in the press conference about making sure that it was a spectacle wanted to make sure that last year, obviously, it was four goals. I think they both kicked two goals each, them and Melbourne. Um, And whether they won or lost this year, they wanted to make sure it was a spectacle and that people were watching because we're now in this stage of AFLW that the league needs to start to be promoted. We need to make sure people are watching. We need to make sure that it's appealing to watch as well. And for him to think of that and to even consider that in a week of a grand final, I mean, I don't think sort of from the perspective or the sentence you were just saying about just make sure you win, do you reckon Ross Lyon would do that in a grand final, make sure it's watchable? I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> no. I wouldn't have thought so. I'm not sure any coach in just about any sport would think that way, no. to be honest. Footy, Let's lock footy down. cricket, basketball, yep. take your pick. Lock down. Yep. If they don't score and we do, we win. Let's make it as hard as we can. But the way that he has approached this whole AFLW, his whole AFLW career as a coach, and even before that, the work he's put into developing yep. young girls, females up in Queensland many, many years before the AFLW's inception. He is an absolute legend of the sport and you're right, needs to go down as as one of the most influential figures in AFLW and one that's really put himself on the line to try and develop the sport and make it the best it can be. And I think you could tell post-game with the tipping of the Powerade on him and the stuff in the rooms and everything, like... He's got this group so galvanised. With the losses that they had last season, they could have very easily fractured. They brought Ali Hampson in from the Gold Coast Suns, just as a, a good role player to have, but a good culture person as well. And then even during the season, a couple of players had some indiscretions. They all stayed together. And that was very obvious yesterday. Absolutely. And he has this knack of just making you feel whether you do the wrong thing or the right thing, that he's either proud of you or he's disappointed in you. And there was a few things when I was up in Brisbane that I didn't quite do right and didn't handle properly and he was disappointed in me. And and you felt that and you thought, wow, I've done the wrong thing here and I've upset the culture, I've upset the club and I need to be better than that. And that's what happened with Jade and Poppy this year and their form post those indiscretions. Jade's went through the roof. Um, So I think, again, it comes back to standards. It comes back to holding people to account for their decisions, whether they're right or wrong, still loving them no matter what. You can't tell me that either of those two girls probably walked in and felt like they were proud of what they'd done, mm-hmm. but they would have still felt love from their teammates to be able to then regroup and put on the season that they did. But yeah, his his ability to just play that role of 
fantastic coach, a fantastic person, and to galvanise the group, that's why they've got the success they've got. We shouldn't necessarily be talking about the grand final venue, but it's a talking point. It has been every single year. It was a talking point coming into this game on the weekend as well. Where do you sit on the grand final venue, Kate? And and do you like Icon Park as a grand final venue? Well, I think the initial part of that question, the first, the Monday and Tuesday of every AFLW grand final week, plus a few more, some years, has been taken up with where will it be? Oh, they've decided this. Oh, no, not again. Oh, they've done this. Oh, let's just get that out of the way and say, Okay, from now on, we've loved the development of this eight seasons and we've loved being able yep. to give teams home finals. And But for the growth of the competition and for the stability and for the lack of commentary, now we're making the decision that it's going to be played at Marvel Stadium yeah. for the I next like five years. Yeah, I like that. And this date, the last Sunday in whatever or Saturday, whatever you want to make it, that will be the grand final. That will be where it is played. If you want to be there, you know in 12 months in advance, that's what you need to where you need to be to watch the grand final. And let's just see what happens. Let's stop this commentary around for the first three or four days of the week. It's a grand final for God's sake. Talk about the teams that are playing it by just taking away that commentary and saying this is where it is. I would love for the incoming CEO for that to be their first big decision in the job and that would just be iconic and it would gain a lot of respect, I think, from a lot of people. You're right. In the first few years of the competition, try and get home finals and grow local crowds. It's not realistic because you don't get access to the best venues because it's around the time of getting everyone ready for cricket season, which is fair enough. But you don't get access to the Gabba. You don't get the Adelaide. If, if the Crows had have made the grand final, it wasn't at the Adelaide Oval. It was going to be at Norwood. Is that right? Yeah, Norwood. Yep. You don't get access to the premium venues. So why not go to the venue that you actually own? Absolutely. Doesn't that and just make the most sense? Sonia Hood, I really like what she said during the week on Rush Hour. She said, we're not going to sell out the MCG. So yes, we will one day, not now. And I completely agree. We, we would have a third of the capacity at a ground like the MCG. But let's make it at Marvel. It's a boutique stadium. Yep. Yes, it's it's big, but we can close off the top level if we need to. But just put it there and just see what happens with a bit of notice and see how many people go. You can get to Marvel. There's train stations right there. Footy fans know how to get to Marvel in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. People from Brisbane can book their tickets as soon as they're in the finals in the hope that they make it. Yep. People couldn't come down from Brisbane because it was $600 each way as soon as the airlines found out that a Brisbane team was in a grand final in Melbourne. It just makes it so hard for anyone outside of Melbourne to even come down on a whim. But yeah, I would love for the commentary to be around. Okay, cool. It's, in, it's at Marvel. It's locked in. And I might be in the minority here, but Icon Park's not it. In my opinion, it's it's not it. It's it's a it's a good ground to have during the home and away season, and it's sort of fairly central, even though it's not an easy place to park and whatever. But it's not it. Not when not when there's not seating the whole way around, and the seating that is there is old timber seating, and the coaches' boxes are yuck. The commentary boxes are yuck. It's yeah, I think we can do a bit better than that. Yeah, well, Rudy, our producer at the moment, was sitting out the front <laughs> in the grandstand trying to produce from there because their box was about. Five by five, and we needed six people to be in there for Triple M on the weekend. He put so. in a work cover claim, Roots. Absolutely. Not He's got splinters in his ass from the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he didn't get up all day. <laughs> so the new CEO will come in eventually. That process will probably start pretty soon. What's the number one priority, do you think? If I was to put you on the spot, 
I would love you to do it, but you're not going to do it, obviously. God, no. <laughs> what, what's the biggest priority, do you think, for the new CEO of the AFLW coming in? From someone that's still pretty attached to the playing group, sort of only just been out of it and now coaching, I think the number one thing is for someone to step in and straight away have the respect of the playing group. To come in and say, look, I'm going to make decisions that may be popular, they may be unpopular, but whoever it is straight away needs to have that respect from the players to go, okay, whatever they're doing, they have our best interest at heart. They might not be able to do all the things we want because as if they're going to be able to do all the things they want, but we respect them and we know they're going to fight for us. Not, please don't take that as me saying that no one respected Nick Livingston and that she didn't do what she wanted at all. That's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying the new CEO needs to have straight away. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yep, that makes sense. And she's done a lot of the heavy lifting, Nicole, as well. Did she it, has. As, as good as she could possibly do with some of the that circumstances been, oh, and situations around her. How hard would that yeah. job have been? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I think thank you for all the work that she's done. Um, she's been fantastic in the eight years or the six years that she's been there because it took a couple for them to actually appoint ahead of women's footy. That's right. Um, but, yeah, fantastic. And I'm glad that she's been able to leave the game, and I'm sure she is as well, in the place that it's in ready to go for whoever steps into the role to really explode it. Well, on that note, K-Mac, that's it for Footy Talk for 2023. It's been a massive year. It started all the way back before the men's season and here we are on the 4th of December, our last show of the year. The first year, it's been fantastic. I mean, we just build from here though, don't we? We've put in one good solid season. <laughs> We've had a pre-season. Let's just hope, Jack, that we can keep the team together um, and we'll move ahead to next year and, yeah, we'll be a really strong candidate for the best podcast of the year, did, absolutely. Did you just go into coach mode? Yeah, all of a sudden? <laughs> We're just taking it one show at a time, That's are we? it. Yeah. We'll be one show at a time. Yeah. And, um, and full credit to the opposition as well. We'll review yeah. this season as well. We will review it. We'll be better for it. And yeah, that's it. A big shout out to everyone who's been involved, the players who were involved, Daisy, Joey, yourself, Kate, everyone who joined the show across the year. Massive shout out to Zoe, our executive producer as well. She's the glue that puts this thing together day in, day out. She did an amazing job. Well, they say I'm the queen of Triple M, but she's really quickly coming for my crown. Yeah, you two met her, just sort that out in the off season. So well done, Zoe, and all the digital team and everyone at Listener who supported the show all throughout the season. But most importantly, everyone who listened, we are here because of you and we will be back next year of course during the summer and the off-season break we'll be recapping some of our best stuff from across the year as well so you can get to go back and relive it all again and K-Mac will do it next year that's it give us some reviews as well if we can be better just let us know thanks for being with us this has been Footy Talk Listener